Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Anybody tired of those wishy-washy, squishy, riding-the-fence-type Republicans? Are you tired of that? I sure as hell am. That's why I love Representative Chip Roy out of Texas. I sure as hell am, Chip! Chip! I love the way they're talking to you. Bring the heat! (laughs) So yesterday, this was pretty dynamic. While we were doing our show, Chip Roy, representative from Texas, quietly walked to the podium, talked about his heritage of being a Texan, talked about how proud he was of the Alamo, and then spent the next 15 minutes basically putting his fellow Republicans in a body bag and burying them in a cemetery. So if you're tired of wishy-washy Republicans, let's hear from the representative from Texas. What did Travis and the rest of the Alamo sacrifice for? A federal government that opens our borders to cartels? A group of Republicans who campaign on securing the border? Who run away in abject surrender? refusing to actually do it? That's the question before us right now. That's the question for every member of the Republican conference. I'm speaking to you. If you do not secure the border now, now, you are giving up any argument you have for the American people to put their faith in you. Will Republicans honor their campaign commitments to secure the border, yes or no? And in many ways, this speech by Chip Roy Nige was kind of like watching an Iowa basketball game. Because in the first quarter, the first half, you'll see Iowa's head coach, Fran McCaffrey, get a little agitated and he'll get a little upset. But as the game goes on, you see things turn completely different. Things get amped up a little bit more. And when Chip Roy is ripping Republicans, you just let the big dog eat. What I am seeing right now from my Republican colleagues does not give me faith that they will stand up in the breach, as did those men who stood on the wall at the Alamo. I am tired of words. Things are going to change in this body. If my Republican colleagues believe that they're going to be moving through relatively meaningless provisions, doing precious damned little for the very people who sent us here to change things, and they think that some of us are just going to go along for the ride, they are sorely mistaken. We will not. I mean, he's echoing the sentiments of a lot of uh, his constituents, of people across the country, okay? I mean, you know, you, you had Trump in the White House, you had the Senate, you had uh, you had Congress, and nothing got accomplished. I mean, not, I mean, it's even questionable that Trump really did anything. I mean, the border was much better under Trump, but did he get all he said he was going to accomplish during his four years as president? No, I don't think so. And it was the Republicans that made life difficult for Donald Trump. And now they're so scared of upsetting the precious Democrats and the woke folks in charge of the media that they don't want to fight anymore. And I think Chip Roy was ready to bring the fight to his own team. My colleagues on this side of the aisle today ran away, ran away from actually holding the executive branch responsible. Why? For petty, personal, political reasons. That ain't going to fly. That's not going to be the way this works. We did not come to this chamber to continue to allow the executive branch to run over the American people. 
where sitting today is a young man who served his country and is being denied his commanding officer job, being forced to try to pay back student loans because he dared to say no to a vaccine mandate that was politically driven. And what is this side of the aisle doing about it? Not a damned thing. What is this side of the aisle doing about open borders? Nothing. What is this side of the aisle doing about an ATF rule about to make felons out of 10 million Americans or more? Nothing. What is this side of the aisle going to do about spending? Lip service. I feel like the national anthem should be playing in the background here. Right. Listening to Chip Roy. Crank up the battle hymn of the Republic because yeah. I love this speech. Yeah. And keep in mind, Chip Roy was somebody who kept wanting new leadership in the Republican Party. Because one of the arguments that I'm seeing on social media is all these Republicans are outraged, but they keep electing the same, same people, people in charge. The group known as the McFailures, from Ronna McDaniel to Mitch McConnell to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. They elect the same people who have not been getting the results. But Chip Roy, he was against Kevin McCarthy. He wanted a little bit of a different avenue of leadership so let's hear how he wraps this whole thing up we should pass a bill off this floor saying that we will raise the debt ceiling but only only if you end the disastrous student loans that are going to cost 400 billion dollars and drive up the cost of higher ed only if you rescind the 91 billion dollars of unobligated covid money only if you go rescind the $80 billion designed to increase the IRS to go after taxpayers, including, by the way, more often the poorest among us and minorities. Only if you will return spending to 2022 levels, getting our spending back to pre-COVID levels, and make sure that we cap spending so we stop funding the woke weaponized bureaucracy that's going after the American people. Do that. Send that over to the Senate. Send that over to the Senate and make Chuck Schumer and the President of the United States choke on it. There you go. Choke on it, baby. Choke on it. The only thing missing was like the Damn. DX crotch chop right there from the old attitude era of the WWE. Can, can we get more leadership like this? Can we get more of that in Indiana? I, I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, everything he said is is are, are things that maybe you and I have been talking about on the show quite a bit. And Rob Kendall's especially uh, in terms of the Republican Party and holding them accountable, especially when they're in charge, when they're the ones running the show. Now, this rant, it started to go viral and he was getting a lot of attention. And it feels like it was rubbing Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrats in the House, the wrong way. Oh, no. Here is what Hakeem Jeffries had to say about Chip Roy. Shut up, Chip, or I'll go shit on your ass. That's Hakeem you, Jeffries right there. You got me. <laughs> well, what could Hakeem Jeffries have to say? All joking aside, okay. uh, here is fellow Democrat yeah. Jerry Nadler. Chip, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. Yeah, turn up the heat. It's old Nads. He got me. He got me twice. <laughs> yeah, turn up the heat. I love the way they're talking to you, Chip. <laughs> um, so Frank and oh, Kerry, John okay. Kerry, uh, he says that the Inflation Reduction Act is, quote, the most significant piece of climate legislation in our history exactly. at a big speech last night. 
And I am confident that this, our Ocean Conference, is going to continue our legacy of success. For our part, the United States is highlighting 77 announcements from eight agencies and offices valued at nearly $6 billion. This is more than double the commitments that we highlighted last year in terms of dollar value, and it thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the most significant piece of climate legislation in our history, uh, we will be doing even more. So if I heard that correctly, we're doing more than six billion bucks because of the bill that's supposed to lower inflation. Democrats have stopped calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. I have news for you because it's not. It's the climate bill. That's what it is. It's a climate change bill. It's not inflation because inflation is not reduction, reducing. There's no reduction going on. I'm sorry. Was this ever about inflation, this bill? No, he just said it. That's John Kerry. What we've been, again, that's something else we've been saying is that this Inflation Reduction Act, all this money, it has nothing to do with inflation. They've quit calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. It's a climate bill. It's a crazy climate bill to placate the uh, climate cultists in this, uh, on the progressive side in this country. And there are some Republicans that voted for this. Oh, yeah. There are Republicans oh, that yeah. said, boy... John Kerry's behind this? Where do I sign? Let me put my signature right there on the dotted line. Now, on the subject of inflation, something that I think everybody can relate to here, inflation has hit the dentist office. Oh, no. According to a new poll by Delta Dental, the average cost per tooth is up 16% from over a year ago. It went from a little over $5 to now over 6 bucks per tooth. You talking tooth fairy here? Well, a little bit. Um, now, Hammer and Nigel Financial Services, we understand. <laughs> we, we have a financial services division? We do. We do. <laughs> we branched off. And... <laughs> We decided we want to help those who are hit by inflation, but also have some kids that might be missing some teeth. Back in the day, if a kid lost a tooth, the tooth fairy would leave a quarter under their pillow. Well, times have changed. The going rate for a child's tooth is now $6 per tooth. If you've got a lot of kids, that's going to cost you. Until now. Welcome Tooth Fairy Savings and Loan. (laughs) Tooth Fairy Savings and Loan has family plans to accommodate up to 10 children per family. So you can afford to fill your child's brain with a make-believe fantasy figure. (laughs) Open an account today at Tooth Fairy Savings and Loan and continue lying to your children tomorrow. (laughs) Price per tooth adjusted for inflation. Tooth Fairy costume not included. Member FDIC. Oh, man. Yeah, ours goes by age. A tooth fairy comes to our house, and it's by age. So, like, if, uh, you know, Harper's getting ready to turn nine and she loses a tooth, that's nine bucks under the pillow. The inflation, man. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Hammer and Nigel on 93 WIBC. Baskin Robbins introducing new chicken and waffles flavored ice cream. Cool. <laughs> you like this idea? All right. First of all, I haven't been to Baskin Robbins in years. The, the one really? I used to go to is all the time when I was a kid on the west side across from Ben Davis there in the corner of 10th and uh, Girl School Road in that little shopping center right next to O'Malley's. It used to be A.M.P. and then it was Safeway and then, and then it was O'Malley's. So my grandparents lived over in the neighborhood right next to there. Loved it. Rainbow Sherbert all the way every day. 
There's a Baskin Robbins right next to the Olive Garden in Greenwood. So if you're on, I believe it's 31, uh, there's a little strip mall area. There's a Baskin Robbins right next to the Olive Garden. I don't know if I want my ice cream to have a, a taste of meat. Well, it's not in the same building. I mean, it's like next door. No, no, no. I'm saying they're they're new. I'm talking about their new flavor. Oh, oh. I thought you didn't want like the Olive Garden flavor in your in your Baskin Robbins. I'm just saying the new flavor, chicken and waffles. I I don't know if I I want the taste of meat in my ice cream. I do like chicken and waffles, though, man. I really do. So I'm going to give it a try because I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Baskin Robbins. Because I remember as a kid, they used to have the football helmet Sundays. Remember? They would put the Sunday in like this little plastic football helmet. They had that at um, Dairy Queen, too, didn't they? I know Dairy Queen did baseball, I think. And Baskin Robbins had the football okay. ones. And man, I love that. Like, I'm yeah. a sucker for the helmets. Do you remember those little football helmets that used to be in the quarter machine at like the grocery store? Oh, sure. You put a oh, quarter yeah. or 50 Collect cents those. in, you turn the knob, and a little bitty football helmet would come out. Are those anywhere around right now? Uh, I know those. Those little quarter things, that, like in the in the vestibule at Meyer in Whitestown, there's a bunch of those little quarter things right. that have candy and toys in. I don't know though that there was, as I was just there the other day. I don't know that there's the football helmets though. If anybody knows where I can find, like, put a quarter in for the little mini football helmets, let me know. Hit us up at Hammer and Nigel. Other thing I used to collect was those um, the little dancing uh, raisins. California raisins, California raisins from Hardee's. Yeah, with the cinnamon rolls and stuff. Oh man, I had I still have some of those laying around. Remember when some of the fast food restaurants would have like commemorative glasses, and it'd be like Flintstones or oh, yeah, maybe something a, on it. And then years deal. later, you find out it had like toxic paint on it, and <laughs> <laughs> now you've grown a tail and a second crank and. <laughs> It's it's those are now all located in a dump in Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friends at Putnam County are uh, taking care of that right now. But yeah, I love Basket Robbins, man. When we go down to Tennessee in Pigeon right. Forge, there's a little Basket Robbins there. All yeah, right, I'll try chicken and waffles ice cream. If somebody can get us some, that that'd be great. And if chicken and waffle ice cream goes well, who knows? The sky is the limit for Baskin Robbins. Push your taste buds to the limit with Baskin-Robbins' new Ultimate Ice Cream Flavor Combos. They started with chicken and waffles ice cream, and now there's more. Start with a scoop of mayonnaise and cotton candy, or try the peanut butter and ranch dressing in a waffle cone, Nutella and chili sauce, or mushroom, peaches, and blue cheese. Coming this summer, pork sausage and gummy bear sundaes, frosted flakes and gouda ice cream, hot dogs and Twinkie shakes, and even popcorn and ketchup banana splits. Baskin Robbins. More flavors, more fun. Mayonnaise cotton candy combo. The Ugh. blue cheese and mushrooms has got my attention. <laughs> Starting to gag a little bit over here. Uh, Miss Allison, can we get a little mood music, please? Bon Jovi. Happy 61st birthday to Juan Bonjovi. John Bonjovi, which is his real name. John Bonjovi. Take his politics out of the equation here. Uh, John Bon Jovi, frontman of Bon Jovi, a hit machine. I 
I had no idea. I don't. I know nothing about his politics, actually. Oh, super left. He plays all these fundraisers. Like he did a lot of I concerts no for Hillary that. and things back in the day. But if you're looking for a reason to drink, it's Bon Jovi's <laughs> birthday tonight. Always looking for a reason to drink. So I got three different things here for you, Nige. I've got Bon Jovi doing a cover, someone doing a cover of Bon Jovi, and a mashup. Okay. Let's start with Bon Jovi doing a cover of the hit Shout from the Animal House soundtrack. Isley Brothers into Otis Day in the Nights, now Bon Jovi. I would have preferred Shout from Tears for Fears. <laughs> so that's Bon Jovi doing a cover. This is a cover of a Bon Jovi song. This is Dead or Alive by the Zac Brown Band. Another place when a face in our song cold, I drive all night just to get back home. I like it. I'm a cowboy. Let's hear if the crowd gets into it here. Zach Brown band yeah. right there. I like that. I did too. If I was in the crowd, I love Zach Brown. I love that band. If I was in the crowd, I'd be fired up, singing along with every word. That was that was a good cover. That was a good version. And here now to wrap it up is a mashup. Bon Jovi with Aha. I've never heard. Never heard this one. It's a little faster. Where, is, where do you find these things? I've never heard this. <laughs> the Hammer and Nigel show. Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. So around the summer of uh, 2021, a lot of people started talking about, well, even before that, even in 2020, uh, people were talking about the origins of COVID-19. Where did the virus come from? Was it a lab leak? Was it at a, some, was it a pangolin at a wet market? <laughs> if you said the lab leak, if you said it came out of a Wuhan lab, you were considered a nutto, a crazy person, a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat. Uh, you were considered a racist. You were uh, canceled. Uh, you were removed from social media platforms for even suggesting or having the nerve to ask where... It came from the pot, mere possibility that it leaked out of a lab. You were encouraging Asian hate in this country. That's what you were doing. Exactly. It, it, it was it was totally nuts. And now, of course, you know, it was around that time the FBI said that, yeah, no, COVID-19 more than likely leaked out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, we just had the um, investigation from the Department of Energy saying the same thing, depending on how you, you now, you know, different levels of confidence from those two entities. But the, the main focus is that you were 
canceled. You were a conspiracy theorist years ago if you even made the suggestion. Now it looks like that's quite the case. That's exactly what happened. Now, wait a minute, though. Jimmy Kimmel laughed at me on television, Nige. Are you telling me that he was yeah, wrong? That was what, what was that clip we played? That was like from 2020, right? Yes. And, and, and making fun of and April then, of 2020. So something strange happened to that narrative of uh, the the wet market in Wuhan. Well, that's when John Stewart, lefty comedian John Stewart, appeared on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert to, you know, talk about the pandemic. And then he ended up flooring the audience with his take on where the virus came from. This was uh, from uh, mid June, 2021. What, what do you mean by? Do you mean like oh, so this, perhaps the- there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab? There's an investigation. A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God! There's evidence. I'd love to hear. It, there's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. (laughs) The disease is the same name as the lab. (laughs) That's just, that's just a little too weird. Don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this? So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, Mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> what about Wait this? A Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> what do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. <laughs> or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That could be. So listen, you remember what happened to him after that. This is lefty. All the lefty progressives love Jon Stewart until he went with that narrative, with his theory of what he thought would happen. And it completely made sense to me anyway. And so people were calling him, uh, you know, crazy. All the stuff, all the things. The the same people that lifted him up on the pedestal before were calling him a sellout and a crackpot now. So fast forward to uh, this you know, the past couple of weeks when another investigation has come out and said, yeah, it looks like it came out of the uh, Wuhan lab. Uh, John Stewart having the last laugh, but is, you know, kind of angry over how he was treated. This is the latest from his podcast. My, my bigger problem with, with that was I thought it was a pretty good bit that expressed kind of how I felt. And the two things that came out of it were I'm racist against Asian people and how dare I align myself with the alt-right? And the backlash was swift, uh, immediate, and uh, quite loud. The part that I don't like about it is the the absolutes and the dismissive. Like, Mm -hmm. you, I'm done with you. I will never forgive you. You have crossed an unforgivable line. You've expressed an opinion that is antithetical to mine or not mine. You know what? In the words of Joe Biden, welcome to the party, Bal. <laughs> John Stewart seems very shocked when he himself and most of the mainstream media and corporate um, late night talk show hosts um, said the same thing about people that questioned the vaccine, people that didn't want to get the vaccine. You were a grandma killer. The, the hatred and the vitriol. And now he seems shocked. How in the world could this happen to me when I just merely stated an opinion and a joke? I'm one of you. Oh, wow. I don't feel any sympathy or empathy or whatever for John Stewart. And I think, I, I, you know, I agreed with him back in 2021, but I don't be shocked 
that your own people, your own side, your the 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 political party and the people that that vote for Joe Biden and those kinds of people, the progressives turned on you because you didn't go along with their narrative. You mispronounced lunatics. Lunatics (laughs) is the word we're looking for Uh, here. I don't feel a a bit sorry for them. No, this is the crowd that you helped create. Yeah. Right? And I'm sorry, but these are your people. These are your people. And Bill Maher, too. Bill Maher is another one. You don't get to say, I I can't believe they're coming after me, and I think this party's gotten too out of control. You helped create it. it. You helped create the monster there. Allison, hit me with some legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. Mississippi's governor signs the transgender health care ban for minors. Now, this is something we've been talking about a lot here in Indianapolis. A bill that bans puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and surgeries for minors in Mississippi who want gender-affirming medical care was signed by their governor. Now, Mississippi joins Alabama Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, South Dakota, and Utah as states that have already taken care of this. Indiana working on it now. It's passed through the Senate, but now we wait for the House. And then the question becomes, is Governor Holcomb even going to sign the thing? Well, he vetoed the the bill that would have banned biological boys from playing women's sports. Uh, nothing would surprise me. And I again, I just don't know. I don't know why this is so controversial. Gender affirming care that would ban these 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 medical procedures for underage kids. Even if your parents agree to it, there's no way an underage kid could make that decision on their own. For God's sake, I have to fill out like ten different forms if my kid wants to go out and on on a field trip. There's actually schools and teachers that would keep that kind of information, the him, her pronoun type thing, the gender stuff away from their parents. And especially, you know, surgeries for minors. You do not have the capacity. I don't care if you're 16 or 17 years old. You don't have the capacity to understand what the ramifications of major gender surgery would be, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, ten years down the road. If you're not old enough to buy a lottery ticket, you're not old enough to chop off your crank. I will stand by that statement. I will shout that from the top of the mountains. And maybe this bill does something that we haven't really been talking about. Maybe this is a bill that protects kids from their pushy, progressive, woke parents. Maybe there are some of these progressive parents that are really forcing this kind of stuff on their kid. You need to change. Maybe this is a bill that kind of helps protect the kids. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if again, you're not. Most kids grow out of it. I, I just, I don't see how it's the the medical part of this is so controversial. Look, if you're parents and you want to affirm that your kid is no longer a boy, it's turning into a girl. That's your decision. I disagree with it, but I, I mean, it's it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be trained. Like I, that's none of my business. But when it starts to be my business is when you actually perform you start cutting appendages off little kids even with their parents consent they'd have no understanding or the capacity to understand what that would mean years down the road and several you've heard several testified in the indiana state legislature that they've uh, they had that surgery and now regret it 
If you want to do it over the age of 18, knock yourself out. Yeah, I'll bring I, you some new scissors if that'll make you happy. But <laughs> if you're underage, it's not going to happen. And I'm curious to see if Governor Holcomb agrees with that. Uh, we got some more legal stuff here. Allison, can I get some mood music? my eardrum there classic nfl films man inject this right into my veins right here like that stuff nfl films the official production arm of the national football league reportedly has maintained a database of cheerleader butt boob and cleavage shots (laughs) okay the wall street journal reported that The former NFL film Human Resources employee, Victoria Russell, filed a lawsuit against the company after they fired her last year for revealing that they have these sexualized and offensive descriptions of women in a database that the company keeps. (laughs) So if they're putting together an NFL film and they need some footage of some cheerleaders to splice in in between the plays of football... They could type in cheerleader. Maybe they could type in butt. So here are some of the things labeled according to the lawsuit. (laughs) Cheerleader butt ox. (laughs) Cheerleader rear end. Female fan in bikini top. Naughty camera work. (laughs) Close up of cheerleader's breasts. Cleavage shot. Endowed woman. Random woman cleavage shot. Now, here's where we get a little fight here. How can I access this database? (laughs) The NFL spokesman, Brian McCarthy, said... That the way NFL films work is that they edit things on a frame-by-frame basis. So everything is labeled frame-by-frame so they know know what not to use when they're making highlight films. So if you're looking for a highlight of Marvin Harrison catching a touchdown for the Colts, and it's from a game that was on CBS, and he catches the touchdown, but then they cut to a crowd shot, and it's some chick with big cans, and she's (laughs) jumping up and down, that would be labeled on here because the NFL Films people said, we don't want that to make the highlight films. Okay, so so good. So they're pushing back, is what you're saying. They're not backing down. They're not apologizing for this. Right. Now, she also alleges that she was denied a dedicated workspace pay raises and advancement opportunities in this quote white and male employee oriented business oh the role racial diversity chestnut however looking at the breakdown of the front office of nfl films two-thirds of the nfl hirings last year were women or people of color and the top three human resource executives are black did she have? Was she supposed to even have access to this stuff? No, that's another like, thing. You know what I mean? Like, did she have the credentials to even be there? Brian McCarthy, who's a spokesman for the NFL, says she was not supposed to have any of these accesses, and these were not part of her job responsibilities. All right, bye. So there you go. Have fun getting that lawsuit dismissed. I do kind of want to look around the archives I of do. NFL films. I would though. like access to that database. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. This next story is going to make Hammer very, very, very happy. After almost a decade, KFC is bringing back the Double Down Sandwich. Let's go, baby! Double Down! I'm in! It famously replaces bread with two fried chicken fillets (laughs) holding a cheese and bacon, uh, holding cheese and bacon in between. So it's the bun. 
So, so, so the the patties or the bun? Yes, and you have two fried chicken fillets. There's bacon. Okay. There's cheese on each one. So this is just a big, awesome heaping of calories and gooey goodness, and I am here for it. And Matt Bear is going to join us tomorrow. We were kind of having a conversation in the hallway with KFC bringing this back. What is your favorite seasonal item? from a fast food place. I want you guys all to be thinking about this for tomorrow. Like the McRib comes back once, maybe twice a year. Shamrock Shake, once a year. What is your favorite seasonal, limited time only food item that people roll out there? So we'll have this conversation with Matt tomorrow. Um, Why do they keep losing these things like why do they keep getting rid of the stuff that are so, that's supposedly so popular i'm sure there's some marketing goon somewhere that's yeah. going to say it creates demand look at the mexican pizza it sold a little bit but then we took it away and now McRib. it's back and it does forever the yeah. shamrock shake right uh, i'm telling you man i need to just open up a store where we serve the seasonal items year round and it's a hodgepodge of everything oh we've got the mexican pizza we've got shamrock shakes we got mcribs in here you name it we've got it year round so we'll have this chat with uh matt tomorrow and now if you don't remember the classic commercial for the kfc double down this is what it was <laughs> today is the day the day i ignore the voice of reason the day i talk to the girl from accounting the day i ditch the bun and demand two meaty fillets two slices of cheese and two pieces of bacon yeah i said bacon today's the day I double down. The KFC double down. Double meat, double cheese, double bacon, double awesome. That sounded like Chip Roy's speech on <laughs> the house floor, yeah. man. I was inspired. <laughs> I feel like I can take on the world and do anything right now. Hey, before we hit another break here, can we uh, get to this story about Metallica? They got a new album coming out in April. It's called 72 Seasons, and they uh, released, they teased us. They're giving us a little tease here with a new song. Metallica, of course, one of my favorite heavy bands of all time. Uh, here is a little taste called If Darkness Had a Sun. I'm thinking I'm going to like this album. The past two Metallica albums I had Hardwired to Self-Destruct and, and Death Magnetic I haven't been a big fan of, but from what I've heard, the drips and drabs I've heard coming out of this new one, I think they're getting back to their roots, like the, the Black Album type roots. Can't wait. New Metallica. I can't wait to illegally download it. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Tonight is the night that the Pendleton School District was hoping you would forget. But Tony Kennett has not forgotten, and he joins us now on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal and the Tony Kennett Show. So, Tony, let's start from the very beginning. What's happening tonight at the school board meeting in Pendleton? Uh, tonight, the school board of the South Madison Community School Corporation in Pendleton, Indiana, uh, is going to fire Kathy McCord. At least that's what we're expecting. She is a counselor who confirmed to us at the Daily Signal that the Pendleton uh, Heights High School and also the rest of the school district uh, was using a secret transgender policy 
uh, in which they would uh, withhold and hold a student's pronouns, a new name uh, from their parents. So basically they were hiding information regarding a child's sexual identity from their parents. That was school policy. A lot of teachers and also Katz McCord counselor hated that. So they talked to us about it, and uh, now the school's coming after Kathy because of it. Oh, how certain are you that the school board is going to fire her? I would say 95%. Uh, that's from what Kathy has told me uh, in, in a couple of conversations and, and from what I've heard from some other people in the district. At this point, it's, it's really just uh, a formality. Um, they have basically expressed in, in some private conversations I wasn't supposed to hear uh, that uh, they're really excited to get rid of her. They call her a problem. And that's all because she simply confirmed that a policy Pendleton would have rather remained hidden was real. That's it. All she did was say the school has a policy to withhold information from parents and that they have a gender support plan, a template to do so. Is this a, a partisan issue? You know, is, do Democrats want her gone, Republicans want to keep her, or is this something different here? Well, curiously, left, right, center, apolitical, independent, doesn't matter. The vast majority of parents and teachers and counselors in the South Madison School District want to keep Kathy. She's given decades of service to that community. Uh, messages that I've received from people who were counseled by her, she helped them for, through really terrible times in their life. She gave these kids really good advice. And uh, just because Kathy doesn't want to step between parents and the school the school's coming after her and the rest of the community is mad signs are in yards all over pendleton are there are there teachers unions involved what do they say uh, the teachers union was required to be on uh, kathy mccord's side but according to indiana state law you can fire anyone on a teacher contract for whatever reason mm. you don't even need a reason so there's really not anything even the teachers union can do in this situation so basically, if I understand this correctly, this woman who has a great track record of being a model citizen, a good employee, has given lots of great advice to students, she made the mistake of being a whistleblower and letting people know the school is trying to cover things up from the parents, and now she's going to be the one that's out of a job? The funny thing is, she's barely even a whistleblower. She wasn't the one who leaked this document to us. Uh, there was a, a teacher that ended up resigning who, who did so. She wasn't the one who leaked half of this material. She simply confirmed it was real. She simply confirmed in a conversation with us that the assistant superintendent required all staff to keep this from parents uh, in, in an interview that I did with Kathy. And the school, they actually have written a new school board policy that forbids any staff uh, from talking with any member of the media. Uh, they're horribly embarrassed by this because they're in the wrong. Well, I hope a miracle occurs and somehow gets to keep her job. If indeed she is, <clears throat> excuse me, formally uh, fired, how possible is it that she gets another teaching job? somewhere else i mean it's that you know what's the scenario i mean are, are school other school districts going to look at her and say oh no she's blue whistle she gave away secrets we're not going to hire her or are there some schools that would welcome her with open arms i guess i'm asking you know the likelihood that she continues her profession in education she has given decades of service to hoosier kids and families and uh, at this point i believe that this entire event has has just really stomped on her spirit uh, for yeah. work, and I, I've been there. I, I know what it's I know what it's like to 
have a school come after you and and just really sour the taste in your mouth of working in Indiana schools because this is uh, growing more common. This is how they'll treat you. So a couple questions here, Tony. Number one, is this something that the public can attend tonight? Is this one of those hearings where people who might have kids that go to a school in Pendleton or maybe just concerned local citizens, taxpayers can show up and say, this is bullcrap? Yeah, this is a public hearing, and it's not even a regular school board meeting where they're going to read all of the minutes and do a bunch of nonsense. This is exclusively for Kathy. There will be a lot of public comment. You have to show up before 7 uh, because now they're requiring everyone to who wants to speak uh, to sign up in advance. This is kind of a new tactic that schools are using to restrict the number of people who are going to get up and yell at them. Uh, so if, even if you're not from Pendleton, come out tonight. It's at 7 p.m. at the South Madison School Corporation Administration Building. I'll be there. Uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping that we pack out the house for Kathy. She deserves it. And number two, who are the bad guys in this situation? Who looked at Kathy and said, you know what? We can't have her telling parents what's going on here. Who are the bad guys in this story? Uh, the bad guy in this story is Dr. Mark Hall. He's the superintendent of South Madison Schools. Uh, in every interview that I've heard and in conversations that have been recorded with him that he did not know were recorded, he has been an absolute tool. Uh, he has treated every single teacher in his district, every single counselor uh, with the utmost disrespect. He has no understanding of how a school actually should function and run. He doesn't care for the parents or the students of that district. He's a coward. He's been caught lying repeatedly uh, to parents in front of a school board meeting. He'll tell you yes to your face, no behind your back, and then flip it. Uh, he is an irresponsible leader. And uh, really, quite honestly, Pendleton parents and students deserve better. And, and how does it work? Is it solely his decision or does there have to be a vote? So he puts it to the school board, several of uh, which are very liberal members over on uh, that school board over at South Madison. They are the ones who make the final hiring or firing decision. Uh, but if this is any school board like any other one in the Midwest, uh, they basically lean towards the superintendent and ask how to vote. All right. So wow. seven o'clock tonight, you're going to be there, Tony. And hopefully a lot of our listeners that think this is re ridiculous will show up as well. Where's the location? One more time. It's at the South Madison Administration Building in Pendleton. If you search South Madison Schools uh, Pendleton Administration, you'll find the address for it. Uh, you'll find me among all of the signs that will be held up that say, we support Kathy. If you wouldn't mind, Tony, and I know we've had you on a couple times this week, would you be willing to call back into our show tomorrow to give us an update? You got it. Be happy to. All right. Tony Kennett from the Tony Kennett Show and the Daily Signal. Tony, thank you. Thanks, guys. So, Nige, now that we're officially into March, we got some of the final numbers of the first two months of crime here in Indianapolis. And Indy had 39 homicides the first two months. January and February, 39 homicides. That is third highest of all time. Only one behind the second place number back in 2020. So when you look at the years that have had the highest homicide totals here in Indianapolis, it's been a three-year stretch, all under the watchful eye of Boss Hogsett. But in 2020, through two months, there were 40 homicides. 2021, 42 
homicides. And last year, there were 33 homicides. Right now, we're at 39 through the first two months of you this know, year. I'd like to, I'm sure there's a stat somewhere, uh, but I'd like to know what the percentage of these homicides are that, that go unsolved because witnesses refuse to testify against somebody who possibly perpetrated a homicide, but they know they'd be back out on the street because of the lax um, laws in you know the revolving door of the criminal justice system. Right. It's a huge problem for police. And listen, here's a little inside baseball. Like, Nige has a lot of friends in law enforcement. I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. They probably don't want us saying this, but I want to be honest with you guys. The numbers are higher than this because there is a thing called a death investigation. And here's what I'm talking about. I had a friend that works in law enforcement. They got to the scene of a grisly situation. There were bullet holes in somebody and their torso was ripped in half. But technically, they did not see or could not prove the homicide that took place. So it's a death investigation. We're trying to figure out what happened here. We all know it was a homicide, right? So death investigations sometimes are really homicides, but they're used to cover up the fact of how bad the numbers really are here in Indianapolis. Emma and Nigel presents is it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You break down all of the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Already. Is this anything? A police officer in Michigan getting props after finishing a pregnant DoorDash driver's order because she got into a car accident. Oh, no. Here's the moment that Lieutenant David Allen agreed to take the delivery from her and then when he brought it to the waiting customer. I have DoorDash stuff in my in the car. Is there any way that you guys can deliver that for me? Yeah, sure. I'll take it for you. I hope they give you a good review. <laughs> Got your DoorDash. You. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw what happened. I did not. Um, I'm wondering why the police are delivering your yeah, DoorDash. Yeah, she told me that. She okay, got in an accident. She got in an accident. <laughs> yeah. uh, talk about going above and beyond the call of duty when you're a police officer. Yes, this is something. We need more stories like this. And quite frankly, I bet the police officer is relieved. You mean I don't have to uh, respond to a call of a belligerent homeless person that's naked rolling around in his own feces. <laughs> yes, I'll gladly deliver your DoorDash uh, to the press. By the way, the, I'm reading the mom and baby are both fine Good. after Good. the accident. And uh, I love I love these kinds of stories where police are just helping people out, you know, and she's trying to keep her job. She doesn't. It's nice to know, you know, some a pregnant woman who is a DoorDash driver gets in a car accident. I would think the last thing that would be on her mind was customer service right. at that point. And it's kind of refreshing to see somebody still worried and you know taking their job seriously, even though they would have had every legitimate excuse to not deliver to the customer. So, yeah, that's twofold right there. I like that. I've never been a DoorDash driver, but I was a pizza delivery guy in college. And I'm surprised that the story didn't end up that the customers were still complaining about it. <laughs> like the officer shows up, sorry, your pregnant DoorDash driver got into an accident, yeah. but I brought you your food. Well, it took you long enough. Like yeah. that's the kind of crap that you deal they with. They were probably pretty late. Is this anything? 
A surgeon ran through a half marathon in Philadelphia to retrieve an organ that was stuck in traffic and they needed it for a time-sensitive surgery. No way. The half marathon was the reason the transport driver couldn't get the liver to the surgery room. Oh, 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 he didn't run. He ran through the marathon. There was a half marathon going on, is what you're right, saying. Right. Okay. Here's Dr. Adam and patient Charles talking about the life saving sprint. I had my sneakers, a coat, and my scrubs, and I ran over there rather slow, but we made it over there past, you know, the marathon, dodging through the runners. I had did flag down a police officer before I crossed the marathon, thankfully, who agreed to drive me back if I can get delivered and come back. I'm really grateful to what he did, you know, because if he hadn't gotten in me, I wouldn't have got delivered, and I would have been <laughs> back waiting again, and who knows what would have transpired, you know, between that time. Again! Going above and beyond the call of duty for this surgeon, who would have thought, like, would it have ever occurred to certain people that, hey, man, I better actually strap on the old sneakers and go running through this half marathon because the van that has this guy's liver is transporting it is stuck. Uh, you know, would it, anybody, would everybody would have done that? Anybody, I don't you know, know what I mean? Man. Like, like I, I think, again, a great news. Glad the guy got his liver. And, um, and the surgeon's a hero. I hate these marathons, man. I oh, can't yeah, that's, stand I mean, these that's things. the other thing. Didn't that make you late one time for your, your betting show on Wish? The only time I've ever <laughs> been late to a TV show. I've never missed one. The only time I've ever been late was I got stuck in the stupid marathon traffic downtown, and there was no possible way to get over to Wish TV. And I'm trying to talk to the officers, you know, hey, can I just cut across this yeah. one-way street the wrong way? And they kind of throw their arms up at me politely, you know, give me the middle finger so and oh, i'm they did stuck not flip you off <laughs> police officers did not flip you off i could I see understand. it in their face they wanted to <laughs> like if you could ever just look at somebody and know they're flipping you off without flipping you off that's the way these guys were treating me when i was trying to get to wish tv on a saturday the only good thing about marathons is that the drive through to Hardee's is wide open. <laughs> yeah, Long's Bakery, you can get right up front there. For In and out, man. In and out. Is this anything? This keyboard player may have done the impossible. He made a car alarm listenable by composing a beautiful song to play over the constant alarm honking. <laughs> Brilliant. Creative, yes. I hate those car alarms. They're so annoying. And nobody ever turns them off. Nobody, yeah. Yeah, you can stop that anytime now, Allison. Yeah, I mean, that's something. Yeah, it made it more tolerable to listen to. I couldn't just sit there and listen to a horn honking, though. No. Yeah, it happens in our garage all the time. I'll, I'll get out of my truck downstairs, and some of these car alarms is going off for, you know, 30 seconds at a time. Did you just say that you couldn't listen to somebody's alarm going off? So what I'm hearing you say is it's time for great moments in honking here on the <laughs> Hammer and Nigel Show. This is a new segment. Great moments in Honking. honking. This is in New York City. People were angry about the amount of fireworks that were going off late at night in the city that they went to the mayor's house and they set up shop in front of the mayor of New York City's house 
and take a listen. Tonight I'm here at Gracie Mansion. I will be joined by a few hundred individuals who will be coming here with their vehicles honking their horns in front of Gracie Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> we can't sleep. Mr. Mayor, you won't sleep. <laughs> was that de Blasio? Yeah. Was that when he was mayor? Right. Uh, That's hilarious. No, I like that. I'm all for that. Great moments in honking at Dateline <laughs> Philadelphia. There was a dispute in the parking lot of a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. All right, when are you guys going to move? <laughs> somebody cutting in front of somebody, taking advantage of the situation. No, I'm not. I'm calling the police because what you did is... Oh, my God. It's Taco Bell. It's Taco Bell. Like, everyone's going to eat. Saying, but how should you just go cut in front of somebody? It's not worth your energy. And last but certainly not least, great moments in honking, quite possibly the greatest horn of all time from Caddyshack. Yes. (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Uh, fentanyl and opioids and uh, drugs flowing across the border continue to be a problem. We call it Biden's border crisis. 107,000 people dying of a drug overdose in the, in the 12-month period ending in August of last year. Uh, Joe Biden severely underestimated uh, and understated that number in his State of the Union address. I think he said something like 70,000. No, bud. It's 107,000. 107, Fentanyl deaths, more than two-thirds uh, of overdose deaths involving fentanyl. Two-thirds of those, according to the CDC, Hammer. When you look at the amount of young people, it's specifically so- young men, because that's the biggest demo, that die from fentanyl, it's really eye-opening. And it's, again, just coming across the border in droves right now. It's always, you know, kind of been making its way in, but it's so easy right now. So they were having, a, you know, uh, lawmakers having a hearing about this a couple of days ago uh, at the Capitol. And uh, a mom who lost her two sons to fentanyl poisoning a few years ago told her story. We'll get to that here in just a second. I want to get to some of that very emotional testimony. So, but after that happened, Republican Georgia Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested that Biden was partially responsible. And then Biden yesterday just kind of laughed it off, laughed about it, actually. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that I, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> yeah, and then chuckled about it. Hear that little <laughs> chuckle at the end? He was so happy that this woman's children died during Donald Trump's time and not his. He had a laugh about oh, it. Oh, boy, he was so relieved. He couldn't wait to tell people that, oh, yeah. So no condolences, nothing. And quite frankly, under Biden, drug trafficking is way up. 1,400 pounds of fentanyl was seized at the border in January. Seventh month in a row where more than thou- more than 1,000 pounds was uncovered by Border Patrol. But let's Okay, so let's go back to that mom that that Biden was was in a roundabout way laughing at and mocking her name is Rebecca this is her sharing, sharing her heartbreaking story of loss um 
you know, she's speaking out so no one more, you know, no more Americans should die. Here she is. But 100,000 die every year and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. And so let's, and, and, um, Alice, if you could go back to Biden, Fentanyl, can you play the clip again? Biden's response after Marjorie Taylor Greene said that uh, Biden is partially responsible. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that was Trump. <laughs> My drug-using about- son made it through. <laughs> <laughs> Right. This is so. So this woman. Here's her response on Facebook. Um, this is how you speak about the death of my sons because a congresswoman misspoke. You mock the loss of my sons. How dare you? What is the matter with you? Almost every Democrat on the committee that I was testifying in front of offered condolences. They at least had the decency to do that. You can't even do that, Mr. President. You have to mock my pain. I'm with her 100% on this one. I mean, Biden could have just said, look, I'm so sorry that happened to you. We are working on it. We are doing everything we can, which would be a lie. Uh, We are doing everything we can. We are so sorry uh, about the loss of your sons. And could have kept it at that. You know, but, you know, he decided to politicize it. No, 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 Trump, uh, Trump, they died under Trump. (laughs) He was so proud that they died under Donald Trump. But if you want to be Mr. Funny Guy here, if you want to be cute and laugh about it, let's compare what's happening with drugs entering our country now compared to when Donald Trump was the president. Because from a federal source, Border Patrol has now seized over 800 pounds of fentanyl between ports of entry in the last four months just four months in the same time frame cbp reports seizing at least twelve thousand pounds of fentanyl at the port of entries since october 1st the dea says 2.2 pounds equals potentially 500,000 lethal doses that's how dangerous this stuff is. You always hear you always hear those stats too about you know the amount of pounds or whatever how many you know however however many fentanyl pills or however much was captured at the border and how it's able to kill literally millions and millions and millions of Americans. There's enough in this country it's, it's, now where everybody in this country could die of fentanyl. There's enough of it now. Now, obviously, not everybody is taking it, uh, but I'm just telling you, that's how much is in this country right now. Allison, we got a good old-fashioned feud, so please set the mood, please. So, Nigel, you're going to have to walk me through this. Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley against... The Attorney General Merrick Garland. Well, we kind of touched on this pro-life activist yesterday. His name, uh, it was Mark Houck. He, you know, at one time was facing charges of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion clinic. 
Uh, prosecutors declined to prose- prosecute. Far left liberal leaning prosecutor. Uh, there was also a private sm- suit that was dismissed. But then the DOJ sent in 30 armed FBI agents after, even after he offered to turn himself in. And so Attorney General Merrick Garland was getting grilled during a committee hearing yesterday on the, you know, the politics of the DOJ, whether or not the DOJ is being weaponized against certain right wing groups, uh, Catholics. And um, we'll start with Senator Ted Cruz, who's basically all up in uh, Garland's grill about, you know, the discrepancy between prosecuting pro-life counselors like this guy, Mark Houck versus prosecuting pro-abortion extremists who have literally firebombed and vandalized uh, crisis pregnancy centers. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice. Contrast that to Mark Houck, who's a pro-life activist. He's a sidewalk counselor. He had an altercation with someone who allegedly interfered with his son's personal space and threatened his son, and he pushed him. Now, in an ordinary world, Pushing someone would be maybe a simple misdemeanor assault, but not under the Biden Department of Justice. If you're a pro-life activist, what can you expect? Well, in this instance, two dozen agents clad in body armor and ballistic helmets and shields and a battering ram showed up at his house pointing rifles at his family. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to count pe- to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancies. It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those firebombings. They are doing it at night and in secret. So, and we have found two, we have found one group which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been, been a lot. And if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we <laughs> would be glad to have that. Can, can you imagine that? Well, look, you know, those firebombings were at night. There's really nothing we can do <laughs> do about it. And by the way, if you, you, you know, know what's at night? It's dark. Yeah. And <laughs> how flip is Merrick Garland, the attorney general, saying, well, hey, if you have any information, I'd be glad to have it. And then you've got Josh Hawley from Missouri getting in on the fun, questioning why the FBI, using his words, terrorized yes. the family of that pro-life activist. Mrs. Houck has said repeatedly the children were screaming. They feared for their lives. You've got these agents demanding that he come out. They've got the gun, she said, pointing at the house and at them. Are you telling me that in your opinion as attorney general, it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT-style agents with long guns and ballistic shields for these people? What I'm saying is that decisions about how to go about this were made on the ground. I didn't have anything to do with it. So you're saying you don't know? I'm, I'm saying what I just said. Which is that you're abdicating responsibility? I'm not abdicating responsibility. Then give me the answer. <laughs> Do you think in your opinion, you are the Attorney General of the United States, you are in charge of the Justice Department, and yes, sir, you are responsible. Yeah. So give me an answer. The FBI does not agree with your description. I'm not asking about the FBI. You are the Attorney General. Give me your answer. Do you think that it was objectively reasonable and they followed your guidelines in sending 20 to 30 armed agents to terrorize these people. Yes or no? 
The facts I have, which are those presented by the FBI, are not consistent with your description. And it just goes on and on. What a weasel. It went on for like seven minutes. It was great. I mean, Holly gave this guy a dressing down like I've never seen. And yes, it was unreasonable and unacceptable that those agents showed up and terrorized his family, especially after the charges had been dropped locally by the ultra-left prosecutor. In that case, they dropped him, but uh, the DOJ decided to send the feds in there anyway, even after that guy told him, uh, you know, told them he'd turn himself in. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So yesterday was day one of Biden madness, and we had a good matchup for you. It was good, yeah. The number four seed in our tournament were Joe Biden was trying to describe America in a single word and then had some gibberish and then had a ridiculous story about Xi Jinping. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, 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 excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. And I actually traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. That was competing against the scrappy number 13 seed. This is my favorite. Trucking in Michigan. But uh, um, I might point out, you're, uh, when I went to Dearborn driving that, uh, you know, uh, was up there. I don't know, man. It, it, uh, I think the press thought I was crazy. I enjoyed it so much going up and uh, your new EV factory in uh and that uh, that Hummer. That was my favorite. I, I wish, uh, I, but that that did not win. It did not, and that it was, was a close favorite. one by a score of fifty three percent to forty seven. Wow. The four seed advances. America single word <laughs> will move on in the tournament. Now here's today's matchup, right. and this is a good one. Let's have it. We've got the number eight seed against the number nine. Ooh. So this is a grudge match here. The number nine seed in Biden madness. Joe was doing a speech on gun control, and at one point, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, <laughs> but he starts speaking gibberish, and the words Murfin and Ruthers comes out of his mouth. Absolutely determined, as Murfin and Ruthers are, to get this done. Murfin and Ruthers. Now, keep in mind, he was not in the presence of anyone named Murfin or Ruthers while on the stage. Allison, can I hear it again? I don't think I've heard that one before. Absolutely determined as Murfin and Ruthers are to get this done. Who the hell are Murfin and Ruthers? So that's the number nine seed. Oh, man, I've never heard that one. The number eight seed, and we played this one recently. This was when Joe was at a MLK day event with Al Sharpton and he noticed that the wife of Martin Luther King III was in the crowd now keep in mind her name is Andrea take a listen to Joe Biden trying to sing happy birthday to her and he clearly forgets her name well look my wife has a rule in her family when somebody's birthday sing happy birthday you ready happy birthday to you happy birthday to you Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. Her name is not Val. Andrea Waters King, the wife of Martin Luther King III. You're there on MLK Day, and you butcher her name. That's going to win. My wife has a rule in her family. 
on somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? One more time. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Andrea. Happy birthday, dear Alice. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, that's the winner today, I think. Voting is open now on Twitter. <laughs> at Hammer and Nigel. Murphin and Ruthers against happy birthday. Vote now at Hammer and Nigel. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. You know what the sad thing is about that town hall, that meeting they had in, I believe, Russellville in Putnam County, concerned citizens asking questions about the toxic waste from that Ohio train derailment being transported and put into the Heritage Environmental uh, Facility. They'd already done it. It was still going on. So you can have as many questions and concerns as you want, uh, but they had already been doing it. And and you heard the audio at the top of the hour. Harrison Silcox from the WIBC newsroom uh, played some heated audio from that night. Concerned citizens having legitimate questions. I guess that's the way it works. Have all the questions you want, but we're already doing it. So uh, imagine that room, because everybody in there is probably ticked off. People who are satisfied don't usually show up to these types of meetings. So it's usually a group of people who have serious questions or doubts. Now, imagine being the guy that goes up there. Listen, I know you're all angry. You're all concerned about what's happening in our community. (laughs) But the good news is we've already done it. And by the way, the very uh, train company that uh, uh, spilled a bunch of toxic waste in Ohio, sent plumes of chemicals into the air, they're the ones that actually brought it to us. So They actually made I, it this time. I can't I, believe I it. I think, you know, Rob Kendall, uh, Kendall and Casey show, they've been doing a great job. They did a deep dive into what happened uh, last night at this town hall. We'll get with Rob here in just a little while for Off the Rails and uh, figure out exactly what was going on which state reps showed up which didn't who who was there what did what did heritage environmental have to say um they're the ones that are containing this uh, you know receiving the product right so to speak like think about every town hall that you've seen about environmental things like the one they had in east palestine or even the fictional one in the movie aaron Aaron brockovich that's usually a group of people that are attending these that don't want to hear bull crap they want straight shooting they want the truth and they still might not be happy about it i think aaron brockovich i don't you said fictional, and I think that was based on a true story. Right, but, but the scene in the saying. movie. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. The scene in the movie where they're not happy and they're yeah. yelling. These are the way these things normally work. So imagine going in front of a crowd like that and saying, listen, I understand you're ticked off, but while you were driving here, we already got it. It's been put in a tank. It's underneath of your feet right now. So have fun. Have a great night. We'll you can talk complain to you all you want, but you're having the meatloaf. So, <laughs> that's my favorite comparison. That's the best story ever. Chris Christie with Donald Trump having lunch. Uh, you know, hey, Chris, look, you can order anything you want off the menu, but you're having the meatloaf. But, but Donald, I don't really want the meatloaf. Enjoy your meatloaf. <laughs> Such a power move yeah. to make Christy so, order kinda, the meatloaf. Kind of the same thing here. We have questions. We have reservations about, you know, this toxic waste and whether or not you can do a good job in containing it. But 
It's already happened anyway, so whatever. So, Nice, did you ever hit the classy chassis up when it was on the <laughs> southwest side? Was that a place you'd I'm, been to before? I'm, I'm not familiar with what that is or what they do in those places, Hammer, because I know for a fact my grandmother listens every day. Uh-huh. I was reminded of that fact. My dad called me the other day, and he said, you know, your grandma listens to all four hours of your show every day. And I said... <laughs> Yes, I, I realize that. So uh, I don't know what the Classy Chassis is. You'll have to remind me. Well, there used to be a place called the Classy Chassis. Yes. And it was on Harding Street on the southwest side. Mm-hmm. And it's a place where you could walk into, pay a little cover fee to get in, yep. and there'd be women dancing on stage naked for money. <laughs> <laughs> the kids would call it a strip club, Nige. <laughs> Well, the Classy <laughs> Chassis went out of business a couple years ago. I'm sorry, Grandma. And it became Club Onyx. Okay, Club Onyx, all right. Club Onyx, formerly the Classy Chassis, has announced its closure, and it oh, sounded no. like the police had a raid at the club. Now, I'm looking at the court documents here. This was a two-month-long undercover investigation by the IMPD, which culminated in a raid at Club Onyx, formerly the Classy, on February 19th. Four workers were arrested as part of the raid on drug, alcohol, gun, and prostitution charges. hello. Hello. The bingo card right there. According to the charging documents, two dancers offered to have sex with undercover officers in exchange for money. The officer was reportedly, the offer was made to the officers during multiple visits. And I think that's my favorite part. I can imagine this cop going back to Chief Taylor. Yeah, I think we're getting close. (laughs) You know... (laughs) <laughs> you know, give me about you know, give me about another five weeks on this investigation. I think we'll have it nailed, so to speak. <laughs> Chief Taylor yelling at him. Do you have it yet? We're sending you undercover. I really think we're close, Chief. Just, just, just give me another three months on this, and I think we'll we'll nail him. The undercover officers also uncovered that a women's bathroom attendant was reportedly selling full alcohol bottles, weed, and cocaine after hours from a trash bag in the parking lot. Now, that's, that's, you know, again, we talk about going above and beyond the call of duty. That's, you know, if you're a bathroom attendant, that's really, uh, you know, you know, doing your job well. You offer them yeah. towels, maybe some gum, perhaps some mouthwash. Cologne. And cocaine. That's <laughs> the way they do things on the southwest side. How many strip clubs can you name off the top of your head? Brad's Brass Flamingo, Club Onyx, the Classy Chassis, um, uh, Garter. Club Rio, the Red Garter. Uh, Babes. Babes, Patty Show Club. Um, Allison, help me out here. (laughs) I was about to say Club Venus is in there. Um, Dancers. There used to be the Wild Cherry next to the Speedway. Right, 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 right. There used to be a place called The Dungeon on on the east side, which really the name didn't even do it justice. Boy, there was a dive one on Kentucky Avenue called the Kentucky Club, and club was spelled with a K. Oh, I know. I didn't know that. And the logo, it was like legs kicking out like a (laughs) Kentucky Club. Uh, the good old days. Well, I haven't been to one of those in decades. So Club Zeus. Um, oh, that's right. 
<laughs> so this what's what's the one in Kokomo? Oh, the hip hugger. Hip hugger, yeah. That like if you're doing a March Madness bracket of the <laughs> iconic strip joints that's, in Indiana, that's what we should have done. That should have been the March bracket right there. <laughs> strip joints in Indy. I am the so hugger sorry. is number one. I'm so sorry, Grandma. Please don't, because every time I see her too, she's she's like, you, you know what? I, you guys talk about alcohol way too much. I go. Grandma, it's just a bit. <laughs> it's just a, you know, we, we're embellishing. It's just a radio. Don't tell Grandma about how much you spent at that Vegas strip club <laughs> night. Stop it! <laughs> You've told the Stop story. Stop it! On the show. She may not have been listening that time. Stop. People don't make that much money in a year. <laughs> And you blew it one night Stop it, on some it. chick named Molly Mouse in <laughs> Vegas. Very early, I was very reckless and irresponsible. I fully admit that. I've changed my uh, life and turned it fully around. Again, our audience is the best. We can solicit for ways to help the city, ways to raise funds for needy children, right. and we'll get a little bit of feedback. We ask for strip clubs, and Twitter <laughs> blows up. Um, Sunset Strip. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Sunset Strip is in the conversation. <laughs> they have entered the chat. Street, yeah. <laughs> uh, M Dog on the YouTube chat. We need to rent a party bus and do a 465 <laughs> lap and stop at all of the places. Now, I don't know if the Sunset Strip is still open. It might be, but my wife, who used to work in the beer industry and had to visit her accounts, that was one of her accounts. It was her favorite. She, she said the owners and the manager at the Sunset Strip was the best and everybody loved him. I forget his name, but she that was one of her favorite accounts to go visit. She would go in the day. She wouldn't have to go at night, so... You know, it wasn't open. But, right. And and again, Patty's, another one of her favorite accounts. Really? Yeah. All up and down 16th Street. I once took a group of interns at oh, WZPL no. to the lunch oh, buffet no. at Brad's. <laughs> it was just, a different time back then. I just then. got a text from my grandma. Uh-oh. Yes, she listens, and it was 400 bucks. Tisk tisk, but I love you anyway. Well, Grandma, I think she was talking about how much I spent in Vegas. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I love you too, Grandma, and it was a lot more than $400. You wish it were $400. I, I wish it was $400. You people disgust me. Hammer and Nigel on 93 WIBC. Yeah, earlier we played that clip of uh, John Stewart back in the summer of 2021 on uh, Colbert's show saying that, yeah, the coronavirus probably came from a Wuhan lab, the lab in Wuhan, making jokes about it was a bit, but it was really, really funny. It was really controversial for people on the left who were perpetuating the narrative that no, no, no. It came from Pangolin. It's, it's a wet market. That's racist to say that China, uh, you know, unleashed a virus and then it came from a lab. Um, and then we played the clip of John Stewart from his recent podcast saying, "I can't believe how angry I'm not. I don't feel vindicated, but I can't believe how pe angry people were with me. They called me racist." And I'm like, "Welcome to the party, Bal. These are your people. These, you know, I don't feel sorry for you a bit." Uh, the th same thing kind of in a roundabout way is happening with Bill Maher. He's been very critical of the left and the the progressive woke portion of his party. And and he gets criticized as well by by everybody from, you know, Whoopi Goldberg to uh, any crazy blue check mark on Twitter. 
right? And earlier today on The View. Oh, yeah, this was from today. They played a clip of Bill Maher, because he recently did an interview with Jake Tapper on CNN, right. where Bill Maher was stating that, hey, I'm a liberal, but I'm not one of these extreme, woke kind of liberals that have kind of ruined the party. Well, that didn't sit well with one Whoopi Goldberg. Democrats sometimes can take it too far. Or, you know, I would I would categorize liberal as different than woke. You know, woke, which started out as a good thing, alert to injustice, who could be against that. But it became sort of an eye roll because they love diversity except of ideas. Abraham Lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals. We liked him. Now they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Well, that statue was not good enough because it showed a slave down at Lincoln's feet. So what? Y'all can't seem to handle anything. You can't seem to handle competition from from Democrats to Republicans. You can't seem to handle the discussions of why people feel the way they do. Your idea is to get rid of everything. So stop calling us snowflakes. No, no, that's your idea. Right. You want to get rid of the Lincoln statue. Lincoln. Like Bill Barr said, Lincoln's not woke enough for you. He freed the slaves. The slave at his feet in the statue was being freed by Abraham Lincoln. And if that triggers you so much, Whoopi, then yes, you are the snowflake. Imagine waking up and hearing that from Bill Maher and being so triggered, I can't wait to go on television to have an anti-Lincoln rant. <laughs> Lincoln! Sound, it's When you say it like that, it sounds so absurd, but it's the reality that we live in. That's That's total reality. And now we're sitting here talking about it, so part of its ratings and part of its, you know, ginning up the, the discussion and the outrage, but it's it's ridiculous. They had to have a show meeting, because I know how these things work. They had to have a show meeting, and there was a producer and somebody that runs the teleprompter that was probably like, all right, now this opening segment, we're going to bash Lincoln. <laughs> And nobody said that this was probably a bad idea. All right, great. That's going to grab the ratings right there. Make sure you throw it to break after you bash Lincoln. All right? We're on in three, two, one. So ridiculous. Uh, Speaking of ridiculous, Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. Now, look, I like Bruce Pearl, man. He used to coach the Tennessee Vols and had some recruiting shenanigans that cost him his job. Nothing as his egregious as you see right now but he was ran out of tennessee but he's won everywhere he's gone he's been successful yeah Very successful dude's a, a winning basketball coach. basketball coach except last night so last night his team auburn was at alabama this is a rivalry game right so auburn they're trying to make the tournament alabama's one of the top few teams in america but they're dealing with their own drama yeah they have a couple guys that uh, may or may not have been involved in a murder so this was a big game and auburn blew it late but Bruce Pearl was not happy with the officiating. And take a listen to the interview he did with Auburn Radio after the game. Club played its heart out tonight, Bruce. Yep, we played well. We played hard. We should have won the game. Um, very, very disappointing. Um, you know, obviously they made some made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! 
coach just talk about what what Saturday <laughs> represents now? Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. Had three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke. Joke. <laughs> I'm your head coach Bruce Pearl. That's how he ended it. Joke. Slams the headset down. <laughs> And the poor guy that's doing the post-game show. That's Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. <laughs> very, very professional. But I like how Pearl was, you know, very calm and collected in answering the question. Yes, it was disappointing. And our guys, get smashed in there! I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice! <laughs> oh, man. phenomenal. I love this time of year. And from now, March Madness to Biden Madness and everything yeah. in between, man. I love it so, all. So now he's, he mentioned Tennessee that's your those are your that's your team are they any good for college basketball are they going to make the tournament they're going to make the tournament but their starting point guard just blew out his ACL in the previous game so Tennessee's hovering around like the 10 spot in the country but I don't see them making a deep run without their point guard. Right. Totally stinks, what's, man. What's IU hovering at, by the way? Well, IU was at 15 until they decided to lay that total egg against Iowa. So the regular season finale for the Hoosiers is Sunday, okay. senior day against Michigan. There's some chatter that Xavier Johnson may be activated for the Hoosiers in that game. But that's a game you can hear right here at 93 WIBC. John Herrick will have the pregame. And then, of course, Fish on the call. What, are there any current predictions on what seed uh, IU is currently looking at for the tournament? For Depending the on how they do in the Big Ten tournament, which is next week, yeah. IU could be, if they win the Big Ten tournament, anywhere from like a three seed. But if they yeah. maybe win a game and then get bounced, you're probably looking at like a four maybe a five seed is the big 10 i know we got to get to rob kendall here in just a second but is the big 10 are, are they average is this an average con conference i mean i know purdue was number one at one point right purdue is but, really it, good but everybody else is kind of down a little bit in the big 10 this year kind of a down year yeah. michigan state's down ohio state stinks uh Purdue's had some bad losses too yeah, I think they've lost four of their last six, but uh, we'll see what happens, man. None of this stuff matters right now. It's about what you do in March. Get to the dance, make some noise, and we'll see what happens. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. On 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks as always to our segment sponsor, the greatest darn garage door company in all the land, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. You guys at the uh, Kendall and Casey Show have been talking quite extensively about East Palestine, the trail de- train derailment, the toxic waste being transported from Ohio to Indiana, Putnam County. Um, yesterday, I told Hammer on the air, I'm like, look, if this company, this this environmental company says they can handle handle it, then I, I don't know how I feel about it. If it's a big deal, should I be making more of a big deal about it? And really, the bigger point you were making is that how can you trust anything with the Biden administration, the EPA, because the response to this was such a disaster? 
the government hates you. The government will not think twice about lying to you. The government doesn't care about you or your family at all. And so Happy this, March, everybody. Yeah, hello. <laughs> welcome to Off the Rails. But the reality of this is, is that the, the federal government has once again, I mean, there's a long track record throughout almost the entire history of the country, let the public down. And as they usually have done, they've gone out of their way to avoid transparency at any cost. And so if you are a person in Putnam County who says, wait a second, there's all these things that are happening and happening very quickly, and I have all these questions, and nobody seems to be providing valid answers to them, then yeah, you're going to be a little concerned, and it is, as it almost always is, the fault of the government. But what if you're somebody that says, all right, I don't trust the government, but I trust this group in Putnam County. I live in Putnam County and I know these people and they do great job and they do good work. I feel good about these people. We had a guy on our show the last two days named Rudy Guerrero, and he's got a background in biology science. Um, and again, not a guy that was calling us from an institution somewhere, not a radical right winger, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, isn't uh, preparing for World War Three, he laid out a, a, group, a large group of very valid concerns and questions. And what I told Nige and I've told other people is, if even 20% of what that guy is concerned about, and he represents or speaks for, you know, a lot of people out there that have these same concerns and questions, if even 20%, let's say he's crazy on 80 of it, if even 20% of the things he's posing are accurate, then Everybody should be very concerned. The point is, it's not this company, it's not Heritage Environmental or whether they can or can't do the work or whatever. All of this stuff got done before any of the concerns yeah. got addressed. And the craziest part about this is that Governor Holcomb gave more time and effort and attention to Malik Muhammad who is now sitting in jail in Portland for attempting to kill cops than he has to the people in Putnam County. The politicians on this, the Indiana politicians, Bo Baird, the state rep out there who's a total zero, Eric Holcomb, John Crane, the state senator, they, those, even, they all suck, man. They, they weren't at this meeting last night. Bo, Bo Baird was there, but he was Bo, telling people, it's like, ah, it's no big deal. You know, these people do this stuff all the time. It doesn't matter if you actually think that. These people have a right to be concerned, and you as their agent of government, you as the representative of government, you should listen to them and make sure their concerns are responded to before you're doing the stuff. Is there anything that could be done? Because it's my understanding that as much as Governor Holcomb can complain, as much as Senator Braun can complain, according to the EPA, if this is a federal order that it's coming to Indiana, there's nothing they could really do about it. You can't say no to the toxic waste coming. All I know is that when it came to shutting churches down on Easter during COVID or shutting barber shops down or salons down or gymnasiums down or, you know, trying to put you in jail for not wearing a mask, which his own attorney general at the time said he, he couldn't do. Holcomb didn't care too much about what he could or couldn't do. He just did it! <laughs> Let me play, and Hammer, this goes back to a comment you made about Heritage Environmental, who's taking care and disposing of the toxic waste or storing it. Um, who was the guy you mentioned again? What's his name? Rudy Guerrero. Okay, this is a clip from your interview with Rudy earlier today. He was at this meeting. The meeting was in Roos... Where was this meeting? Like? Russellville. Russellville. And he had a question for the, the leaders of this uh, Heritage Environmental. It was kind of weird. It, it was an absolute mockery of a question and answer session. 
every good question that was asked was the answers were either obfuscated or they outright did not ask. I specifically asked um, Ali Alvari, their vice president, who was there. This is Heritage Environmental, right? Yes, for Heritage Environmental, yes. I specifically asked him point blank, have you tested for dioxins? And he said, we have no panel for dioxins. So I followed up. And I said, does that mean you didn't test for them? Or does that mean you tested and found none? He literally sat there silent and would not answer me. Mm. And, of course, the entire crowd started booing him. So that was a really good interview you guys did with the, with the gentleman that was, that it was at this meeting last night. But that was, you know, the non-answer there on the, the, the question about the toxins or the dioxins was, was pretty significant. Yeah, and I think that this is the bigger conversation here. If everything's above board and you can 100% guarantee people to their satisfaction that, hey, this is how this works, this is how we're going to make sure you're kept safe, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the reality is I live in Hendricks County. That's the county right next door. It's like 28 miles from where I live. I'm concerned about this. I want the answers the same way these people want the answers. And I don't think it's unreasonable to say until I get these answers to our satisfaction, we shouldn't be allowing the stuff to be just being thrown out here. You know, here's the other thing. There's so many people with so many opinions. Let me give you an example of an email I received today from a guy who says that you guys need to have an actual expert to weigh in on the hazardous waste issue. I have no doubt the chemist that Rob had on is knowledgeable in the broad field. However, uh, the actual knowledge of hazardous waste issue is lacking. Now, that's just an email that I received. He, he wanted to know if we wanted to contact him. We could talk to him, whatever. I'm just saying it's okay to have these questions on either side. Sure, and, and, the, and, 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 and like and they started also my understanding that they've already started dumping yes. the toxic waste, so it doesn't really matter. The, the point is moot at this point. Yeah, and I know Bear, Bo Baird says bad things about me to people. By the way, Bo, next time you're going to say it, just assume you're saying it to my face. <laughs> but you people should be ashamed of yourself because Bo Baird is only there because of who his daddy is, Jim Baird, the congressman, and he has totally let those people down and he should be absolutely ashamed of himself. John Crane should be ashamed of himself for not showing up to that meeting last night. And the governor should be ashamed of himself for treating the people of Putnam County worse than he treated Malik Muhammad. So let me ask you this, Rob, one more thing on what's happening in uh, Putnam County here. If Governor Holcomb decided to take that shipment that was coming into Putnam County and reroute it to Martha's Vineyard, <laughs> would you change your opinion of Governor Holcomb? Well, it fit right in there with the toxins in Martha's Vineyard already. <laughs> Here, the people just want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want to have their questions answered. They want transparency, and they want their elected officials, even though we know they don't care, to pretend like they care. Uh, going off the rails here with Rob Kendall, Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Uh, the COVID lab leak. There's there's two different entities now. Uh, the FBI and the Department of Energy saying, yeah, it looks it's looking like the the the, China, the the coronavirus got leaked out of a lab, which you know we've been saying that makes sense for years, and you were canceled, labeled a racist and everything else. Your take on um, what we've learned this week concerning COVID-19 and where its origins began. Well, in the early days of this, and I was still working at the time with the um, the two women. They're oh, back on your show now. The, the broads? Two, the two women. Mock and Daisy. Uh, Mock and Daisy. Chicks, Chicks on, the right. on the right, yes. <laughs> uh, and I said this at the time, that there's no way this thing just 
randomly formed in the ether and then suddenly just started attacking people. And it happens to be this super virus that we have never seen before. The and, bat version of cocaine yeah, bear. Ex- yes, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> There's no way. That is the best description of that ever. Yes. That this that this accidentally happened. And at the time, you're called you know a, a conspiracy theorist, a radical right-wing Republican, blah, blah, blah. Well, what do you know? We are now, even the Biden administration, even though he's denying it, Biden still won't cop to it, but his government is saying, yeah, this is creating a lab. I'm totally convinced this didn't get out accidentally. I said at the time, I'll stay with it today until I'm proven incorrect, that it was released deliberately by China on those protesters in Hong Kong at the time, because as soon as this happened, what do you know? That all went away. And they let people knowingly infect it. Knowing there was an infection going around, they knowingly let them travel to the United States. Yeah, because China doesn't care about, oh, this thing could get out of control. It could infect blah, blah. China doesn't care about anybody but China. And I'm sorry, real quick, one more thing before we hit a break here. Is there anybody that's had to... Do more soul-searching about this story than a late-night talk show host. Oh, yeah. Because we played a clip yesterday of Jimmy Kimmel, and he was all smug and finger-wagging and making fun of Donald Trump back in April of 2020 when Donald Trump said this may have came from a lab. And smug Jimmy Kimmel, and you've got people like Stephen Colbert all up there being the most pious of them all, and now they have to realize that their buddies in the FBI, which they've carried water for for a long time, have admitted they were all wrong. The ideology matters more than anything. Though, look at the Woody Harrelson monologue on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. People are yucking it up and laughing and have a great time when he's talking about smoking, uh, whatever it was, and doing drugs and all. <laughs> and then once it hits them in the face of, oh my gosh, he's talking about COVID. Basically, silence. Any sympathy for John Stewart, who was actually saying what we're saying now back in uh, uh, the summer of twenty one on Colbert on how, how how this thing came from a lab? No, screw that guy because he's like Bill Maher. <laughs> Those guys aren't mad that the stuff's happening; they're mad it's happening to them. Bill Maher and John Stewart, when they speak out, it's like Doctor Frankenstein going, "Well, this monster is totally out of control. Someone really ought to do something about that." <laughs> when the reality is, you are the people who created this monster. You fed this thing, and the monster and- is the radical left. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's out of control. And you know, Bill Marnos is a 60-something-year-old white guy who makes humorous observations. Oh, crap. They're going to they're gonna come for me next. So he doesn't want the thing to go away. He just wants it to not come at him. Let's go to Chicago for just a second. We've got a couple minutes left here. Lori Lightfoot, uh, embarrassed and humiliated, not getting re- reelected. Is this, can we glean anything from this in Indianapolis? Why should people here in Indy uh, pay attention to uh, Lori Lightfoot not getting uh, reelected? Is probably one of the worst mayors in the history of the United States next to Joe Hogsett. Well, we were having our little group, uh, yes, we were having our little group convo about how that's happening there and not here. And I said, the difference was Hogsett didn't lose the Colts. Lori Lightfoot lost the Bears. The Bears Is that are- really a big thing as to why she didn't get in the top two? I think it's a. I think it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a shining light on the incompetence of this person. What do you right? mean she lost the Bears? They're going to Arlington Heights. They bought a big track property, and they're they have already told the uh, city oh, of Chicago, okay. kiss their backside. Wow. We're not interested in a dome over Soldier Field. We're getting the hell out of here. And when even the Bears, who have been there since 1831 or what, whatever it is, say we would rather spend, and they're spending their own money, by the way, to buy this ground, build this facility, we. We'd rather spend billions of our own dollars so we don't have to deal with you anymore. I think the average person looks at that, even no matter how radically Democrat you are, and go, 
what the hell? So it wasn't the handling of crime or the incompetence of relationship building with educators or the police. A lot of it had to do with the Bears. Well, I think obviously it's all part of it, but I just think that's a shining light on how incompetent this person is and how unable to run the government this person is. And to steal a phrase or paraphrase a famous phrase, I didn't come here to cause no trouble. I just came to do the Super Bowl shuffle, by the way. (laughs) uh, As we wrap it up here, Lori Lightfoot blaming racism as part of the reason why she didn't get elected. Even though though she got elected four years earlier and there's an African-American that beat her out for the the recall. She got beat by a black guy. And she's claiming racism. She got beat by a black guy. My favorite joke I've seen on social media is the people in Chicago said Beetlejuice three times and now she's out. Rob, tell us about the great company that sponsors this segment. Oh, it's Garage Doors of Indianapolis, the greatest darn garage company in the entire world. They even have Mike Kendall's seal of approval. The Kendall and Casey show every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon, here at 93 WIBC. Rob, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.